Kak adark esas makandengeli, jungizukuta nat morineta sekata, mekim nekingik asondapi. Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me in Hawaii, we have Margaret Ransdell Green. Hello. Yeah. And uh, also Eric Barker. Nice to be here. Yes. All right. So um, if you have listened to the, um, what is it, Con Langery 140, I think, is it, when we're, where we covered the 8th Language Creation Conference. We talked quite a bit about uh, Margaret and Eric composing music in Margaret's conlangs. So that's the subject for today is sort of uh, their use of conlang music and how that figures into Margaret's world building, how uh, sort of the whatever, whatever sort of comes up in the conversation surrounding that. So uh, that is our topic for today. Uh, before we get there, if you would like to support the show, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash conlangery. Any amount is welcome. I would love to have more people pledging. Uh, if you pledge $5 a month or more, you get episodes early. If you pledge $10 a month or more, then uh, you can see like the scripts for shorts that I'm looking at, working on. I think there's one up there that, uh, that I have just basic notes on right now. If you pledge $20 a month, you can get a sh like uh, your name in the end uh, end credits of the show. And uh, full disclosure, Margaret is a, uh, a patron, uh, I believe, right? Yep, that's right. I've been a patron for um, quite a while, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, just to be clear, that is not a way to get you on the show, but... <laughs> It is a nice thing to do for us. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, let's let's get started here, Margaret. I, I just want to start with you because uh, um, these are your conlangs. Yeah, that's right. And your world, and um, you had had a talk at the last at the previous language creation conference about sort of world building in your languages with with your conlangs and then you were on like a world building panel at this one and you did a performance with eric uh doing these music in your conlangs and i wanted to sort of let's let's just start with what got you into the idea of composing music in your conlangs well i've always been um, really interested in music i studied music for a long time um, as a teenager and I actually started that by uh, studying opera for four years um, back when I lived in Alaska and I had always been really interested in music and singing it uh, in particular but also composing and um, listening to all types of music that I could get my hands on so um, I think over time a lot of my different hobbies and interests kind of coalesced and came together and I thought well why can't I create something that is, you know, musically creative as well as creative in terms of, of the conlang itself and use that to then sort of flesh out these uh, constructed cultures that correspond to the different constructed languages. So that was kind of how I got um, 
into doing this particular thing. It actually started a really long time ago. One of the songs, Befaji, um, is really, really old. I actually wrote, um, when I was about 13 years old, um, the melody for that. So it's, it's kind of been a very long process of kind of a lot of my interests coming together um, pretty organically, I would say. And Eric, how did how did you get involved with this? Well, um, I too have been involved in music um, most of my life. Uh, uh, at a very young age, I was composing and uh, playing piano. Uh, and when I met Margaret and we started uh, doing various things, uh, that was kind of early on one of the things that we what we did. Um, and uh, we. Play, performed a lot of covers and originals together for a while, and but not very long into that, uh, she brought forward a few of her Kamlang songs, and I wrote uh, backing music for it and arrangement for it, and that kind of that's where that began. All right, that's uh, interesting. One thing that uh, I heard is that for some of the cultures you used. Invented scales, or at least different scales than we tend to use in Western music. That's right. Um, you know, if if, I, if I'm going to have a holistic view into a culture, um, you have to, to some degree, as best as you can, kind of uh, separate yourself from uh, from traditional Western European music, which is kind of what I'm my basis is in. Um, I've studied quite a bit of of world music styles in in college. I have a degree in music. Um, uh, but, you know, com composing, I, I, fairly, I end up being fairly solidly rooted in in European culture, um, being, being American myself. Uh, so a lot of that was kind of exercising, uh, uh, kind of breaking away from that as, as best as I can. And I'm, I'm still kind of figuring that out and working as we go. And just as I think... A parallel for Margaret is early conlangs that a lot of conlangers do are more rooted in languages they know, and as they start becoming more advanced, is breaking out into um, kind of non-traditional uh, styles, and that's, that's what I'm I'm attempting to do here. Yeah, and Margaret did the choice of like musical styles, rhythms, scales, those things. Was that influenced by the particular language that you were composing for? Um, I think I would say it's more influenced by the culture that's associated with the language. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make things that were, it sort of made sense to me and that aligned properly with my ideas of what those cultures are, um, rather than the language themselves. Um, of course, it would be a lot more difficult for me to write certain styles using languages that have certain phonemes just because of the nature of the vocal style I use and, you know, the ease of singing different types of sounds um, as far as the human mouth is concerned. But for the most part, what I used was sort of inspiration from the cultures, histories, different kinds of cultural practices that were already existing 
in the constructed cultures. And then I kind of worked from there and worked with Eric from there to see what type of music or song or what type of piece would be appropriate for, you know, the type of people who would be speaking the language as well as um, performing the music. Right. right. Um, I'll, I'll kind of pig, piggyback that if, if, if I, you don't mind, um, is, you know, the songs that we've done have been created through, you know, in various ways and, and means. And some of them um, began with thinking about the instruments that they would develop, especially culturally, um, as, you know, what their, what their society is based on. Um, like, for, for instance, one society is very uh, imperialistic, militaristic, and so I wanted to create instruments that um, would be used, like, for battlefield, for kind of marches and drum stuff. So I, I had them based around brass, and then considering the limitations and pros and cons and, and, and various uh, of, of brass instruments um, is then, cre then kind of breaking that down um, into you know, the, the, the music theories of, of that culture. And so th there's been some of that along the way, too, is kind of uh, instruments get developed by the musical culture, and then culture is influenced by the, the, the technology of, of, of musical instruments and back and forth. Could you give like an example of how you determined what instruments? I understand that you used a synthesizer to simulate yes. instruments that don't exist, right? But yeah. how did you come up with, could you give me like an example of how you came up with an instrument that people would create? Okay. Well, for instance, I'll, 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 I'll add to the one that I was talking about. The Tulsi culture um, is a, a very imperialistic, colonial, uh, militant, um, and uh, authoritarian culture that's very, very structured and would have a lot of use for battlefield um, kind of drum roll, drum drum core kinds of things. And so I wanted an instrument that would project. And so, um, I, and they also had very advanced metallurgy. So taking these into account, it made sense for them to have brass instruments. And it's actually probably some of the instruments that are the closest to European cultures because of just those aspects. But curiously, uh, um, and I'm not going to get in, in deeply into the technical aspects of, of, of brass instruments, but there are some notes that are would be kind of more distant and require like either more metallurgy or higher technology um, or just would be kind of arrived at later in the process of an instrument's development. And I um, purposefully then downplayed those notes and then created a scale, uh, scales off of those uh, with, the, with those limitations in mind um, that would be kind of the primary sounds that, the, that their music would be based off of. Not that they can't access now those other the, those other sounds, but that that those kinds of those kinds of notes would be uh, the primary notes, and so I based the, their their music theory um, around that. Um, is that kind of a good example of of uh, of what you're talking about? I can go into more detail, but it might get might get a little more technical than you want. Oh, oh no, that's. That's that's fine. I mean, it's not a music podcast, so yeah, uh, music <laughs> I podcast. So, yeah, I, I might be able to understand some of it, but it it wouldn't necessarily be no, good for all be. the listeners. But um, yeah, the that is that is interesting. So you you sort of it looks like you were doing sort of research on the acoustics of the instruments that would 
could be possibly made. That's and right. Then, That's right. And then working out scales and things naturally from there. That's that's an interesting uh, thought there. Well, let's take yeah. Um, just to sum to, to sum up, I'll just um is I, I've kind of observed Margaret's process in her coming up with uh um with Conlangs, and I feel very much kind of an kind of a, a newcomer to this and world building. She's far more advanced um, in that in that sense of world building than I am. So I took a lot of cues on on how she came up with and, and evolved cultural aspects um, and tried to apply that to my music theory background. Right. So, so in, in a way, this is becoming sort of a collaborative con world. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so the, back to you, Margaret, because we want—I want to get into like the language aspects. Um, sure. And uh, so you have released, or sort of like at least to to some people, a couple of recordings. Um, excuse me. Uh, uh, fa she and fata kap bichawet. Yep. Uh, and and so um, and uh, you have more songs than that. Um, I wanted to talk about like what was your process for writing the songs and arranging the songs. Um, I, I guess working with Eric on on the instrumental parts, but uh, like what was your what was what was your process for writing them? Um, so for writing them, uh, for example, Vefashi, it it started as just a simple. Um, vocal melody line um, and I wrote it in an older version of one of the conlangs that I have called Relin so it's actually written in old Relin which is sort of the predecessor to the modern current language and um, I wrote several verses and it was kind of inspired by nature in fact um, I was in Georgia at the time in southern Georgia and I was looking at all the lush kind of uh, flora that was around me and I wrote this song about these kind of growing green things and forests. Um, so that was kind of how that song got started. But um, when we arranged it, uh, it first was arranged with piano. And when we modified it to include some of the native types of instruments, as Eric has mentioned, we thought about what kinds of materials they would use to build instruments and in what way they would sort of arrange the song and some some kinds of ways that were not necessarily identical to, um, you know, oh, the kind of typical Western arrangements or with, of just sort of like verse plus a chorus and things like that. So actually, when I wrote Feifashi, um, it was written specifically in a type of Rilin poetry that I kind of developed before that. Um, so sometimes when I write songs in Rilin in particular, they will follow a style of poetry. Um, and this is something that you can actually see with uh, other Rilin songs, is that they're not always necessarily A-B-A-B -A -B kind of pattern. There's um, definitely a kind of distinct um, sort of, I guess, pattern to real and poetry itself. And that is often, you can see that in some of the songs that I've written that way. But there's other, 
other songs that we have not from that culture, like, for example, the Tosi song, um, it's a military march uh, because their culture puts a lot of focus on the importance of the military. So we wanted something that would be very practical for an army on the move. And we wanted something that would not be overly complicated so that all kinds of like enlisted soldiers, for example, would be able to sing it without difficulty. So we didn't want something that was too like super elaborate or had a really wide range or anything like that. We wanted something that would be, um, that would really reflect the practical nature of a, of a march and really what its purpose was, was getting everybody marching together and sort of keeping everybody going um, over long distances. And like Eric said, a lot of the instrument design was also created with that in mind of what materials would be available to these cultures and what they really needed the music for and what their purposes were. That's very interesting because I, I can think about, uh, I don't think I've had this uh, this song in your your stuff yet but uh yeah if you get it before this episode posts let me know and i can try to add a snippet of that but i can sort of think about that because you know i was in marching band in high school i've listened to enough marches to know like the they're they're gonna be like simple melodies mm -hmm. uh two four or cut time usually to because you got two feet and uh, it's gonna be something you know, um... Like the the Fat uh, Fat is more like it sounds more like a dancing song. It, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and the lyrics will reflect that. I guess um, Margaret can go into that, but but yeah, yeah, and and Befari yeah, is. Hmm? Oh no! Yeah, I was just gonna confirm. Yeah, that was designed as a dance, and. Um, Part of it is sort of like a, a sort of a story, and then part of it is actually uh, instructions to dance moves that yeah. don't actually exist, but. <laughs> <it's good. laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, we should mention that yeah, that one that one was kind of written specifically with the conference in mind. Uh, this is a little aside. Um, is I, we really we knew that we were going to be leading off the conference, and we thought, what better way than kind of a group dance slash sing along to kind of open the conference. And so we created some also some ways in which um, culturally uh, it would be kind of a participatory thing because we wanted to have a participatory thing for the conference. So it kind of doubled us so, such. So we like before we actually performed it, we we taught people um, how to say the group chorus 
uh, to, to sing the group chorus along with us. And then we had these hand claps that were signals uh, for for the rest of the uh, of, of, for the for everyone else to join in. Um, and we spent like thirty seconds teaching that, and then we went ahead and everybody got into it um, and figured that culturally it would be used for a similar kind of occasions. So it kind of worked out that way. Um, yeah, let's actually, um, I'm going to put in a little snippet of the, the Fatih Kap Bichavit in here, uh, just about now. And then, so listening to that, uh, like the thing that struck me, Margaret, is um, it's, you know that it's good conlanging and good writing music in a conlang when it's kind of difficult to translate it directly because like you have English translations here on the, um, the lyric sheet that you, uh, that you sent out to people, but um, the way that it's sung, the the fatakap bichavit, that part is a chorus line, and then you have different words, ais nusa afanse, that's a single person. And from the way I can sort of analyze it, it looks like when you're translating that in English, those words are the unique word that would be. It's like the cold winds are blowing. That's ais is cold, right? But right, when you translate yeah. it in English, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. doesn't work anymore because you would not have the uh, the word order is all wrong because Rilan is a verb initial language, so you have verb of uh, subject and then the adjective following it. So you can't really have a differing word in the adjective at the end of the phrase in English because it wouldn't be at the end of the phrase. Um, so this is one song that it would be really hard to make work in English as a song and not just totally change everything. <laughs> um, yeah. There's some songs that are a little less difficult to do that with, but this one is one of the ones that just really was written in Reeland to be sung in Reeland and it doesn't work in any other language that I'm aware of. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just, I just wanted to point that out because that's, that's, that happens with real world languages. You know, if you, you went, we often rearrange elements just because when we're translating because it doesn't work the other way. Right, uh, and it's kind of awkward to say blowing or the wind's cold in English. <laughs> it's really weird, so I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, so that that's uh, well that that that's just to me a good thing. And you mentioned sort of uh, these growing out of poetry to traditions that you would already developed which is an interesting thing because songs are 
basically a form of poetry. So that makes yeah. that that makes a certain kind of sense. Um, uh, so the so you have the these different songs, and then I'm I'm presuming you have sort of different songs for different occasions. So that that's a dance song. Uh, you have a military march from a different culture. Uh, you've got the uh, Vepashi, right? Yeah, just, just kind of a poem. poem. Yeah, it, yes. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It just seems sort of like mournful and and uh, uh, slow and calming uh, yeah. sort of music. Um, was that was that a thing that was reflecting the sort of cultural moment you were representing with each song or was it just like you wanted a variety of different songs that fit the culture? <laughs> um, we basically wanted to go to a few different cultures in what we did at the conference. Um, I'd already written Vepashi and I had already written the words and the uh, melody for Eme Ferei, which is a Gatevian tune that we did. Um, but Jum Jum Zuro, which is the march, the Tosi march, as well as Katakapichave, the Reeland dance song, were much more recent. And we actually created those like um, farther down the line once we knew that we were going to be performing songs uh, for this occasion. And we wanted to kind of have a good range of cultural representation, I guess, from I, which is the constructed world setting. We wanted to have like, okay, well, we don't want to just do like all Reeland songs or whatever, because that would just be boring because there's like a billion cultures in this world. So, you know, I have to get some uh, yeah. variety going. Um, so I wanted to, yeah, I did want to make a variety of songs, a different sort of variety of uh, feelings to each song, like not just the same type of thing. Like I didn't want to do like four military marches that would be, okay. you know, boring. So I did want to have sort of a different kind of, I guess, ambiance for each one, a different sort of feeling um, to kind of represent the cultures and represent the different types of music that they would create. Uh, let me paint an interesting aside here. Uh, it, uh, 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 an addendum to this is that um, before the conference, uh, about a month or so, a couple of months before the conference, um, um, Margaret and I were on a research trip of hers in Papua New Guinea um, uh, near, near Australia, um, and we had large amounts of time where we were just kind of held up in a room um, after she, in between her doing her her um, research sessions, and we got very inspired, um, and we knew we were we were looking forward toward the conference. So we kind of spent most of our uh, extra time uh, uh, developing these and writing new songs um, and kind of getting into everything. So. Um, there was kind of kind of this burst of creative energy during that that trip that um, uh, and so the things that we did specifically to flush to flush out our existing material for the conference was was all done there. Okay, that's that's very interesting, and it's it's interesting 
that uh, there there's this collaboration going on between the two of you with Margaret already having the languages and the cultures developed and you providing some some of the uh, information on on the music and more music history and music theory stuff Mm -hmm. involved. Um, Eric, what was it like how with developing melodies and I mean I know Margaret I'm sure that you had you said you said like you had some melodies sorted out and sort of they changed as you collaborated but well maybe to both of you what was it like to um be developing uh just a uh the 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 songs from a constructed language and Eric my question to you is like working from a language that you probably didn't understand so much well in many cases especially the the the, the song the songs that that i kind of spearheaded um a little more uh we, we would come up with the some of the music and melodies and arrangement even sometimes first and then the l- lyrics would be developed kind of after that um on top of melody just as 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 a lot of music is um a lot of you know, even modern pop music and, and various kinds of songs. Um, so I wasn't concerned so much on on the conlang aspect while I was writing the music itself. Um, and that was kind of uh, Mar- Margaret to, to, you know, to try to parse my, my complicated musical phrases into, uh, into uh, cultural and, and into, con, uh, in, into conlang uh, uh, lyrics. But I think it kind of worked out very well uh, in in those in that regard. And those those two particular songs are um, uh, Fata Cop and uh, the Tulsi March. So yeah, and, and a lot of the melodies were and, and to the second part of your question, um, uh, a lot of the the melodies just kind of came from playing around. As I said, I often would kind of come up with the music theory via the instruments first. And sit. I have a, a very curious instrument um, synthesizer instrument called a Rolly Seaboard, um, which is I like to describe as like a fretless piano, and which kind of gets me away from kind of a little bit more traditional keyboard style uh, compositional techniques. And I would kind of sit and play around with things, um, and then sometimes parts of melodies would come would kind of come to me, and then I would play around with those on using the existing instruments that I was synthesizing until you know things would develop and then uh, at the very end lyrics would be would be written on top of that okay i i have to look up the this rolly seaboard is um, <laughs> fretless piano. i can send you a link oh yes, okay yeah. so um looking at it it looks like a so it's a keyboard but uh-huh. the white and black keys are not white and black no it's all black you- yeah, it's it's and it's one well partially because I was traveling and it's really hard to travel with a um with with a keyboard with all its moving parts. It was very convenient. Is it's all one part. It's actually like a silicon gel surface. It's actually very squishy. <laughs> um it's so surprisingly squishy when you play it. So it's very easily transportable, but also um once you play a note on it, you can do vibrato on it, slide down to other notes, and actually worked out beautifully when dealing with the slide brass of the Tulsi cultural stuff. I made um, all of their stuff revolves around like trombone 
type of slide brass. So I really, really wanted to work with that. And so that there was no, the pitches were all very kind of um, relative and slippery, and there'd be a lot of kind of semitone or quarter tone uh, kind of interplay. Uh. And that was perfect for, for kind of mocking up and synthesizing that type of yeah yeah if you if you're you have a slide brass instrument yeah so, so uh for our listeners i'll just try to clarify slide brass you uh, you you mentioned a trombone that's that's yeah i think that's what you're talking about is something that has um a slider for the pitch right mm -hmm. so so yeah. for that you would need you could not do that on a traditional keyboard because it's just gonna ding no. one note every time you hit a key so that makes sense exactly Moving backwards, then, then I'll redirect to um, Margaret. Then, it was it a challenge to like have these melodies that were some of them were in unfamiliar scales and such, and then try to fit your language onto those melodies in a satisfying way. It at times it was, but I think I don't think the different scales was much of a challenge to me. Um, the melodies came to me pretty easily when they were written. The issue of fitting the language, like the lyrics, that took more time. And I can tell you that the main factor that determined how long it took was like how well I speak or understand that particular conlang of mine or not. So, for example, <laughs> like I'm really good at Relin. Like I know Relin really well. I can just start writing in Relin. And that's largely because I've written a lot of poetry in it. And it made me learn the language. Um, it made me learn the language really well so that I, you know, knew all the words and the grammar and everything. And I could just think of something. Whereas some of the other languages I haven't, like, worked with in a long time. And I'd forgotten some of the words that I'd made for it. So, like, it took a while to go back and be like, okay, well... I don't know if that's going to work. What's a different word for this? This has too many syllables, but I can't remember the alternate word, you know, things like that. And I would have to just kind of go and look things up and kind of try to re-remember things that I'd written maybe like 15 years ago. Uh, and so I think that that was actually just the biggest defining factor of why some things took longer and some things were really quick. But I think like the music factor, like the different scales and stuff was not... A challenge for me at all it it, it came pretty naturally um i think yeah oh okay that's that's interesting um yeah i guess the scales would not necessarily be a big thing because like the the melody is a melody maybe rhythms could have some effect but that just the familiarity with your own language i'm sure a lot of conlangers <laughs> will well like the idea of I created this language, but I cannot speak it in any way fluently. Right. right. Yeah. So that 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 makes a lot of sense. You know, going through the dictionary. I, I, hmm? I do remember there was like like we were kind of really going outside the box, and and we will definitely record and have at least something for you for the Tulsi March because that would be really. And I'm blanking on the name, Margaret. That was kind of decided. Oh, it's called. The Tosi March is called Zoom Zoom Zuro, which means death is creeping. Oh, that's right. Zoom Zoom Zuro. Yeah, that was kind of like late 
name came very, very late, and all of my uh, the, the 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 files and everything that I was working with just say Tulsi Marks. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I do remember that one very specifically, and why it would be good to get get a, a recording of that is uses a very kind of different scale system, and and there was a, a few notes that. Like I, we had to kind of work over. It's like, oh, they don't have that note. You can't use that. <laughs> oh. actually want like I knew the melody already in theory but when I would go to sing it my brain is so wired differently that I would want to sing a note that actually wasn't in their scale at all oh. I don't know I think it was like a they don't have a D or something I think it is I for, yeah I forget um, yeah, yeah there's yeah, no D yeah it's yeah. like A B C E F sharp G is how it goes yes. I believe that's, yeah, that's and a, so right. I would want to sing a D, and he was like, you're singing a D, and I'm like, oh, yep, sorry, <laughs> that doesn't exist here, we can't sing something that doesn't exist. Yeah, That's uh, right, you you actually had to create some of the vocal melodies for that. Um, uh, I created, I, like, I think all of it, Jim Jim Zorro, and at first I was really struggling, because you wrote this really <laughs> great instrumental, um, you know, piece, and yeah. I, background, and I was like, I love this, but I like don't want to ruin it with words or something. I don't know. I felt, that way. I felt like I didn't want to sing over it. Like I just didn't want to mess with it. But it was actually what I came up with ended up being amazing. In I, I say that with no ego because it was hard yeah. for me to do, and I was really surprised by how well it turned out. In my opinion, yeah, um, there was a lot of work involved in that. That's right. Yeah, I, it, yeah. So yeah, I created. Yeah, that's that. I should describe a little bit of the process for that. So I spent quite a lot of time, um, probably more time than almost anything else, um, on that on that song and yeah. the, the music under uh, underpinning. Also, I created a, a notation system. Uh, not that I was reading from it, but um, uh, I wrote it out in in their notation system. And then you know, trying to figure out how to also. Um, unlike a small tone tone poem or something or kind of a folk melody is is also be able to perform like an entire band you know an entire marching band oh. um, it, and uh, I, I did use some backing tracks for I finally just went ahead and started using some pre-recorded backing tracks that I had made and kind you of almost looped have to. sections of, yeah yeah I was trying to I, I, I don't usually like backing tracks and I like to do kind of either, live looping or, or kinds of things like that. Um, but it just ended up being much more necessary in this case. Um, and yeah, then, the live looping yeah. program kept crashing. Oh, yeah. And crash. we were worried that it was going to crash when we were on stage. And we were like, yeah. okay, 
we have to do something that's not that risky. Yeah, exactly. Let's keep it simple. So, but then, you know, so I, I would, I, I had a second mini seaboard specifically there for the drum part and I would get the drum part going and then back and then it would loop out, um, which was actually back in tracks. Um, anyway, back to the original point, I'm getting off topic here, um, is so I created kind of the, all the instrumental sections and my thought was then the, 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 the melody would kind of float over top of that. Um, and so I'm handing her this like pretty much composed piece that had a lot of room for, for stuff in it, but it's a very kind of set thing and saying, here, honey, <laughs> go ahead, take it. And she's looking at me and, and I have these notes to work with. <laughs> so it was, that was kind of an amusing process, but she did an amazing job. Right. So the, that's, that's the thing is, uh, speaking the language and also singing performing the thing is is an interesting yes. thing yes uh i do want to uh before before we go any further i i, I know that you have to leave very soon eric and uh um, oh, about 20 minutes 15 to 20 minutes okay left probably because okay. well there's there's another thing about this is that you'll have to leave your computer open to this for a few minutes to get it uploaded Ooh, and i need my computer with me okay yeah so so um i i'm thinking that we might want to wrap up uh pretty okay. soon uh in order to get okay. you out but um yeah that that's that's um yeah uh, that that's the trouble with this program and having a hard out. But um, so uh, I'm gonna. I guess. Well, is there a place that that I can share your music or anything? Um, when? How long are you? Is this? When is this going to air? Um, it will air. Um, this will be since I already have one for September. It's actually coming out early. Um, this will be out on October 7th. Then let's go ahead and um, I will send you that. If you can plug that in here, well, th in this point, edit that in. We'll definitely have a bunch of things recorded and um, and also a place that we can put put uh, uh, more stuff because we have yet to add this to our website. Okay. All right. So, um, But we will. I promise. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's interested in um, being updated about INEF music or Conling music in any way, I have a mailing list. Um, you can email me if you want to, and I'll put you on the mailing list. Okay. Um, well, that's something that is kind of a temporary workaround that I've been doing with people um, for kind of INEF-based music project that we're doing. Yeah. Right. Right. And our apologies is, is ever since the conference we've been traveling for various other things and i we i just haven't had the opportunity to put it on online yet but um we will put that up there because there's um there's a number of visuals there's a lot of 3d renderings of instruments as well as the notation system and some uh discussion about the music theory um and that was given at the conference but i just need to reformat it for the web well i will link to whatever of that is okay. available when we post but uh, I do believe I, I'm going to have to um, stop it here so that we have time to upload our audio. But, uh, yeah, so 
uh, hopefully people have some inspiration. Just take a look into, if you're a music person, definitely look into, you know, uh, what you can do with music in your conlangs. And uh, let me know what, what you do with music in your conlangs, because that's an interesting, you know, and other, another aspect of the world building and culture when you are doing the, the like the naturalistic art, art lang route. Um, so any, any last thoughts from either of you? Well, I would just gonna, yeah, wrap up by kind of echoing what you just said and kind of saying one of the wonderful things about uh, music in Conlangs is it's, it's kind of do- a doorway into a lot of aspects of the culture. You know, once you open that up and realize you're, you know, creating an artistic framework that also uses lyrics, um, and, and the conlang, you're opening up all these different cultural aspects that you may not have, have considered before. Um, and it, and it's a good way of actually developing from there. I think we've cr- created a number of, of cultural aspects, uh, while composing these that probably weren't there before and added to the con world. So, um, yeah, it's also a very good way of coming up with terminology that surrounds sure. music and, and sort of harmonics and different kinds of, you know, names for notes and scales and things like that in terms for instruments and what they're based on and what they're used for and things like that. So um, I think that it can actually enrich your conlanging as well as vice versa. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Margaret and Eric, for being on the show. Uh, This was a great conversation and I wish I could talk to you guys more about this, but, uh, but uh, I want to make sure that you can make your practice, Eric. So, yeah, um, this is, uh, so um, the, uh, yeah, get on that mailing list. I will have whatever links are available, but uh, yeah, go yeah. out there and make some music for your conlangs and uh, have some have some fun with it. And I'm going to say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. Conlangery is supported by our listeners. Thank you to Margaret Ransdell Green, Graham Hill, Ezekiel Fordsmender, and all our patrons who support us at patreon.com conlangery. Conlangery is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike License. You are free to use or adapt our work for any non-commercial purpose as long as you credit Conlangery Podcast and release any derivative works under the same license. Web space for Conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society. Our site was designed by Bianca Richards, and our theme music is by Null Device. <laughs>